Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, happy Wednesday. It is another happy hour. I am so glad you're here. Let me just say this to you, that if this is your first show to ever listen to, welcome to the happy hour. And if this is your 263rd show to listen to, I'm honored that you show up every single week. I'm also honored that I'll be speaking this weekend at Sword Girl. It's a women's conference in Grays Lake, Illinois. Raise your hand in the car while you're listening or jogging or doing dishes. If you're coming, I cannot wait to see whoever's going to be there. Super excited. Today, we have a great show for you. My guest is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's married. She has two sons who are 15 and 13. And just like us, they're doing driving lessons. That's happening in my house. She's been married for 19 years, and I can't wait till you hear what her and her husband are going to do to celebrate 20 years. Sandra and I talk about the battle to find work-life balance. I'm going to spoil it for you real quick. If you don't know, if you haven't figured this out, if you're still seeking this, balance doesn't exist. It does not exist. Sandra has learned what she really desires is work-life harmony. And I like the sound of that too, where we have work and life and harmony, where they're not on opposite sides of a scale, but they're kind of interwoven in such a way that something very beautiful is created. We also talk about all the ways not having rest is having an effect on our lives and how to take steps to create the work-life harmony that we're all looking for. I told you, you guys, this conversation is not only insightful, it's gonna be helpful for you. I hope you enjoy it. Before we jump into the episode, I wanna take a minute to say thank you to all of you guys who connect with me through your inbox. I do not take it lightly that you've chosen to receive my weekly email with details from the show and fun updates about me and my life and where I'm traveling. If you've not joined our newsletter list, I don't know what you're waiting for, you guys. I'd love to connect with you in this way to make sure you don't miss anything from the show and that you're one of the first to know when I have big news or big deals or happy hour live events or new books releasing or... Maybe I want some help on my next book writing. I'm gonna go to my newsletter, people. So if you have already signed up, thank you. If you haven't signed up, it's super easy. Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. All right, my friends, thank you for being here. Here's my conversation with another woman in the world that I see doing really great things, Dr. Dalton Smith. Sandra, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You and I are both in Charlotte, North Carolina, even though neither one of us live here. We are at a conference. She speaks, which yeah. this is my first time here, and I'm super impressed. Oh, they do an awesome job. Now, this is your second time here. It is. First time as a speaker, but I came back in 2015 as an attendee. Did you, when you came in 2015, this, this is just like an, uh, my personal question. I'm trying to get a, a feel for the attendees here. It feels as though this is kind of a conference where you've been working and dreaming and believing, and then you're going, and you're going to like, it's going to be like the icing on the cake almost. You're gonna, it's going to give you so much. It's going to propel you into what you're doing next. Is that kind of what you felt when you came here? Well, for me, it was like 
I felt like God had given me a dream and I couldn't really get a clear picture of what it looked like. It's like I had this vision, but I then I could I was looking through these blurry glasses like God exactly what are you saying and how is this supposed to look and how does it work? And I really just needed to get around some women who were there who were doing it so I could see what it could look like so I could actually get some some clue on kind of how to progress and how to move forward. That's good cuz sometimes it's interesting that you say that cuz I have felt that before in my life as well where you feel something's there. Mhm. I don't know what it is and I don't know what to do with it. And you just gave really good advice. You said, get around <laughs> girls who are doing are it. Are doing it. That goes across all kinds of things in our life. Yeah. And sometimes you have to seek them out. You mean, you know, it'd be great if they just came to you. Yeah, right. But Perfect sometimes world. you have to seek them out. And that's what that was for me. I've I been looking and following the women of Proverbs 31. I saw their lives and their ministries. And I knew that it wasn't that they had secrets they were trying to keep. It's just I wasn't putting myself in an atmosphere to learn from them. That's good. And I've heard several times at this conference so far, Lisa Turkhurst say, I just want to give you away everything we know. Mm -hmm. And I heard her backstage say, and what people say backstage is how you know who they are. (laughs) I heard her backstage say, like, we're just all here for the kingdom. And so if we can help these ladies further the kingdom, then we're in. And that's how I felt as an attendee. I really felt like they were trying to to give everything they could in those hour sessions, kind of pack them full of as much goodness as possible. And then it was kind of back in my hands at that point. What are you going to do with it? So good. I I mean, this this conversation is not going to be about this conference, but I'm just really impressed with what they're doing here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad we got to sit down. <laughs> yes, finally. absolutely. I think that we got an email about you months ago. And we kind of just tagged it like, yes, this is a conversation we want to have. And we're going to talk about rest and that type of stuff. And so I'm really grateful that you would sit down with us. Okay. Give everybody a little intro into who you are and what you do and your life and your family. Yeah. Well, I'm an internal medicine physician. I live near the Birmingham area. I have two boys that are both teenagers and I've been married for 19 years now. Really just loving doing traditional internal medicine for a long time and got to that point where I felt like I wanted to give my patients more than just my medical training. I wanted to be able to share my faith with them, share the research that I love doing. And, and just really, that's where the books came from. Just that desire to be able to place something more in their hands when they left. So you're still doing internal medicine. I still am. You just have a little added bonuses to it. That's right. <laughs> well, tell me about your books. How many books? Three books so far. And tell me that, well, I was going to ask you the names. You know, it gets confusing after you've written two. So (laughs) are they all about rest? Is this going to be what you're specifically speaking with your patients about? No, really it's about healing, healing from different areas. And so the first one's called Set Free to Live Free, Breaking Through the Seven Lies Women Tell Themselves. And that was a book, honestly, I feel like was more for myself. I had to break through some of those just to even pursue writing and doing some of these other things with speaking. The second one was Come Empty, Pour Out Life's Hurt, Receives God's Healing Love. And that one's about really soul wounds, those pains that we get that kind of start tearing us down from the inside that have to be healed up if we're going to move forward. And then the last one's about rest, sacred rest. I love it. And, you know, I have a question for you since you told me that you kind of wanted to continue doing internal medicine, but you wanted to add a little bit more for your patients. How do you incorporate faith into your work life? Oh, now, with me, I actually am very blunt with my patients about where I'm at with my faith. So they know coming in where I stand. I have patients that run the gamut from atheist to Buddhist to everything in between. So when I'm presenting faith to them, I'm presenting it usually in a way that they understand that we may not agree specifics of, the, of spirituality, but we all are mind, body, and spirit. We all must address all three. Now, I'm not necessarily going to be able to convince every one of them to believe as I believe, 
but they have to understand that it is having an effect in their life and how they feel. It's so interesting because I think even as a Christian, you would think that I would have a complete grasp that all three of these things matter. But I think we as Christians can forget about even that our spirit affects us because we're like, oh, we're good. We love Jesus. Mm -hmm. But we forget about taking care of it more than we're just going to like, you know, wake up and spend 10 minutes in our quiet time or whatever. I think that that could be even people who have a good, strong faith can forget of what it's affecting them. Do you see that when you're talking with people? I do. I see it a lot in the church, honestly. I, a lot of times when I'm asked to speak at churches, it's on mental health. And it's because I like to kind of break down that whole stigma about mental health is for those people who are dealing with their mental health. We are all dealing with our mental health. Oh, that's good. Just like we are all dealing with our physical health. You decide every day if you're going to put a, a donut or a asparagus in your mouth. You make that decision. We decide every day what kind of toxicities we're going to take into our emotions as well. And so people, when they start kind of segmenting out health like that, then it's easy to stigmatize it. But when you see that every person is dealing with their mental health, every person is making mental health choices, then it's, it takes that away. We understand that if you if you are surrounded by toxic people, yes, you might be depressed and down because of what you're consuming. So if I hear you right, what you're saying is someone like, I'll use myself as an example. So someone like me who's had like episodic anxiety and depression at a season in my life that was super hard, but I wouldn't say I struggle with that on the daily. Mm -hmm. You're saying I still need to think about my mental health. Exactly. Because during those episodes, when you were going through those difficult things, you were having to deal with your mental health. You were having to decide, am I going to believe this or am I going to believe that? What do I need to do here to help restore the areas that have become down or that have become anxious? And so that's an ongoing process. And so when we understand that, we don't automatically start taking on labels when it's just a process of stuff we're working through. Now, there are times when we do have true depression or true anxiety that requires a pill. Yes. But there are times that a lot of us, we take the pill, but we're not seeing that we still have to deal with the other aspects of it. Mm. It all works together. The mind, the body, and the spirit all have to be part of the healing process. This is good. I'm like thinking like, I don't ever think about my mental health because maybe it's privilege that I feel like I don't need to or have to, but it is affecting me and I should think about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, look, you just opened my, <laughs> you just opened my eyes today about something I need to think about. Well, I love that. And I, I believe in those things. And I've had some, some children who've joined our family through some hard places. Mm -hmm. And I even see that in their world with mind, body, and spirit, like all of the soul, all those things coming together. And yes. so it's not something that I don't know. It's just something that I think doesn't apply to me. And mm -hmm. so thank you for that. And all the people <laughs> listening are like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So uh, you have done a lot of things. We're going to eventually talk about rest and workaholics and ba balance, the myth of balance and all the things. Mm -hmm. And then I can't wait to, to talk with you about what you're doing for your 20th anniversary, because I'm so excited <laughs> to talk through this. But I want to talk to you just for a split second about what you said you're presenting on here at She Speaks, because I think I have quite a few listeners who would be interested in this aspect of what you're going to talk about, and it's going to lead us into some awesome things you've gotten to do. So explain to us what you're speaking on here at She Speaks. Yeah, one of the, the workshops I'm doing is called Be Your Own Publicist. And what I'm doing is I'm helping women see that you don't have to have some gigantic platform to actually get yourself on the media that the media is looking for people who have real stories to share and that can share truth that helps other people grow. 
And so I'm helping them be able to find ways to present themselves without having to have a connection, without having a, a hookup, without knowing any producers, just really cold calling or cold emails Finding it through the online the, the internet. Google is your best friend. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> Find the where do you want to where do you want to present? Where is it you're wanting to be on? And then the process of actually getting the pitches together so that it makes sense. I think I have a lot of listeners, not all listeners, but I have a lot of listeners who have, like you spoke about um, earlier, about I had this dream, I had this thing in me, and I just wanted to know what to do with. And I love that because what I see right now, I don't know if you feel this way too, is. Right now in this day and age, like you can do anything that you want. I mean, there's just so much opportunity to do things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think I have a lot of listeners who kind of feel that. And so it's good for them to hear you say, hey, go out. Like you got to work. Like these things just don't happen. Absolutely. And, you know, the media is not going to come knocking on your door unless you already have kind of exactly. arrived. And as then they you say. don't need to be your own publicist. <laughs> right. Yeah, you have You one. probably have a publicist yeah. by then. But most people can't afford $5,000 a month, even if they have a book contract, to, to actually promote the message they feel God's given them. And some people aren't meant to write a book. That's not really where God's placed their heart. Maybe they're speakers, but they have a message that you're passionate about sharing. And so that's the thing I like for women to understand that media isn't just for those trying to sell something or promote something, you can purely just be promoting the gospel. I talk about something called marketing evangelism, because that's how I look at it when I go into a, a place to speak with any kind of media. I Yes, I have books that I'd love to see fly off the shelf, but really it's marketing evangelism. I want to evangelize a message I feel like God's given me. That's good. And I think one of the questions that I hear from people a lot is, I don't know how to do self-promotion. Self-promotion feels gross to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want it to all be about me and I don't like promoting myself. And that can go for any kind of business that you own. If you're a potter, if you paint, if you're a doctor, if mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, it can feel gross. And my encouragement, and I'd love to hear what you say as well, but you just kind of summed it up with this evangelism of what your message is. I always say like, do you believe in what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Do you believe in your art? Do you believe in your craft? Do you believe in your message? And if you believe what you're doing or saying or creating can change people's lives, whether that is just looking at a beautiful picture or helping them with their health or speaking to them about Jesus or rest or work, then you have something to share. Yes. And it's worth promoting because it can change people's lives. I do an exercise during the workshop where I ask people, think about the person that your, your product, your book, whatever it is, your message applies to. Now think about what happens if they don't, if they never hear it. Oh, that's good. If they never get it. Because when you, because oftentimes we're writing or speaking about things that have affected us. Mm -hmm. What happens if you never found the truth? And sometimes you have to kind of get to that point to propel you to see that it really isn't about you. The message is nothing to do with you. It's really about serving others. And so when you're looking at it as I'm going on this TV show or I'm going on this podcast or radio show because not because I want people to know who I am. I want people to get the truth so they don't have to stay where they're at. Because God has shown you, he's revealed yeah. stuff to you and you want to share that with the world. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So what kind of, how has that panned out for you? All those cold calls. Oh, it's, it's been fantastic. Last year I had over 50 radio, TV and podcast shows all without a publicist, just my own, you know, due diligence doing I the work. I want to tell you, people that are listening may not understand how big of a deal that is, but as someone who interviews people who I get requests from publicists daily, the fact that you're doing, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. So congratulations. Thank you. 
especially with, I had so many publicists that were, you know, I'd ask them what their fees were and they would say, oh, it's 5,000 per month retainer. Yo, and we no can't guarantee either. you exactly. a single exactly. placement. And I'm like, you can't guarantee not one, not a single placement. <laughs> it is crazy. So what, so what are some of your favorite things that you've done? Oh, there's been quite a few. Um, Daystar, Joni Table Talk was super fun. Um, I even got a chance to do Dr. Oz not too long ago. <laughs> so that was really cool. And honestly, media kind of opens up so many doors because that actually led to me being found by the Atlanta TEDx committee and receiving an invitation to come speak because they'd seen me speaking somewhere else on the topic. of Congratulations. Growth. It was awesome. You already did it. <laughs> Yes, March of this year I did. Now, did you have to memorize your whole talk? The whole talk. How long? How many minutes? Uh, t roughly 10 minutes. Was that a stressful thing for you or were you like good with that? Well, I, I speak a lot, but I don't memorize any talks. You know, I get up and I have my notes and you just, you know, go through it. So to memorize it word for word and you can't go over, they literally have a clock counting you down. So I had like five seconds that, it, you know, I could even flub a word, you know, in five seconds or you, you're going to get buzzed and kind of your, your whole talk cut short. So it was really interesting. It was stressful, but it was a lot of fun. It, it really was. I'm sweating thinking about it because <laughs> I just, I had to do one talk one time where they told me I had to memorize it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was um, not TED talk, but it was that format. Uh -huh. okay, so, but it wasn't an official TED talk. And so I had to memorize it and I have never worked so hard on a talk yeah. in my entire life. Okay. <laughs> because I'm like, you yeah, I have notes on stage all the time. I got there and, um, the guy, it was, so it's not official Ted. So we're talking, don't think of what you did, but they want it to be that style. Yeah. I get there and the guy in front of me has a podium and notes and I'm like, Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> nobody told me this. And so then I had to decide, do I take my notes or mm -hmm. do I go with what I've done? What do you think that, what would you have done? Well, if I knew that I knew it, I would just have hopped on the stage. And <laughs> You're so brave. I, I was ready to do that. But then I saw that and I got nervous. And so I took my notes up and I looked at them one time so I could have done it. But right. it was kind of interesting. That is scary. It's really, that's really hard. It really was. And it's, you know, uh, like I said, I speak a lot. So I'm not, I don't have stage fright or anything like that. But it's when you're memorized, when you've memorized something, I don't know if sometimes your mind just goes blank. It's like, Everything just dropped out of it. It happens I'm, to me daily, okay? <laughs> just daily. And I'm thinking, that is the one time I don't need my mind to just go blank while I'm staring at 800-something people. I know. <laughs> you know. So I think that was the only thing I thought, please, God, just don't let my mind go blank. Just keep it together for that 10 Give minutes. Me these 10 <laughs> minutes, yes. My friend Amy Wolf, who's been on the podcast, I think it was last December, she coaches people through speaking and does a lot of TED Talk coaching. So mm -hmm. I'm like, if I ever do a TED Talk, Amy is my girl. So I'm coming to her. Um, um, okay, so let's talk about rest. And I know that this is something that you're passionate about. And I just love hearing how you incorporate this into your medical world. Because like I said, I feel like it's this kind of, we forget to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this has been, you may have an answer for this in your research. I don't know if this has been like a, I'm going to guess maybe it has in different ways, a theme throughout the, you know, the span of the world that it's ever been here since mm -hmm. God created. But it feels like it's harder now to rest. And it could be the internet age. It could be the way we move, the way people expect things instant. Like, why haven't she called me back? I just call or mm -hmm. text me back. So let's talk about rest and how this even became something that you became passionate about. What brought that up for you in your own life? 
Well, I burned out. I mean, that's you, had, what you burned out. I burned out. And when, when I say that, people are like, well, what does that really mean? I got to the end of myself. When, um, when I think about burnout, I kind of think it on two, two paradigms. You know, we have people who are what we call on fire for God. And you know what that looks like. They're kind of, they're, they're passionate and they're energized and they just feel full of life. Well, burned out is the other extreme. You feel like there is nothing left. Like you've basically, your life has been disintegrated down to ash. That there is just nothing left there. It feels hopeless. It feels like, why am I still even doing what I'm doing? Because I don't see any point or purpose to it. It, feels, it sounds like depression. Well, burnout is usually does lead to some forms okay. of depression. Depression, your uh, every aspect of your life kind of gets that gets affected. Okay. Your relationships start suffering. Your health oftentimes starts suffering. Energy goes down. There's just so many different pieces to it. And so when I got to that point, I was I was what a lot of people would have said was very successful. I mean, my career life looked beautiful on the outside, but the life I was living did not feel good to live on the inside. And so when there's that disconnection, then you have a hard time understanding, how do I fix this? Especially if it's something you've worked towards. You know, a lot of us work towards this and it's like, I I created this. I built this life that I'm now not happy in. And now what? That is so good because we can start to feel guilty then. Mm -hmm. I I wanted this, so I had to keep going, but you can't keep going. No, because you, I mean, literally you feel like there is nothing left of you. I remember coming home one day from the office and my husband, you know, he wasn't asking for sex or anything like that. He was just trying to give me a hug. And I remember looking at him and I was like, I'm sorry, I just have nothing else to give you. I left it all at the office. I have nothing else. And I, I'm, uh, thank God he kept with me. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have kept with me. Because that was a rough time. So it was because I just had nothing for my kids, my, my husband, my, for myself. And so when I got to that point, I found myself one time just literally laying out on the four-year floor with my kids propped in front of the TV after daycare. And I'm like, God, if this is it, if this is all there is, then why even keep bothering? What, what is the point of this? And in that moment, I, I think it was the first time I'd actually been still because mm. I was so busy trying to be successful, trying to accomplish and to do in, or in everything, everything, in every, a great mom, a great wife, house clean, all, you know, all of these things that I was kind of putting on myself really to try to make sure that I was getting done. And I laid out on that floor and it was as if in that moment, it was as if God was just kind of reiterating to me you're never going to, to be able to stay restored and filled if you don't stop mm. and learn what rest looks like. And at that moment, I found the most perfect rest laying on the floor, um, just laying there. I mean, tears were pouring out of my eyes. And when I got up off that floor, I was like, okay, I, I need to understand how do I need, what I need to be restored. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. 
Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now Travel Texas offers a one of a kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. It makes me wonder, you're talking about being successful in all these areas of your life. And I think this is something that women can super relate to. Men as well, but mm-hmm. most women listen to the show. So it's something they can really relate to. But I wonder if at that point in your life, if someone would have looked at you and said, you need to rest, if that would have almost sounded like a bad word. Oh, yeah. Like this is, <laughs> this. what do you mean rest? I don't rest. To me, at that point, before I, I started really studying rest, the science of it, the the biblical aspects of it. Before I went there, rest was like for weak people. That's what, that's what they do. <laughs> I don't do yeah. that. Yeah. That was for weak people who can't keep up with the rest of us. That's how I viewed rest. And so at that time, whenever someone say you need to rest, I'm like, I'll rest when I'm dead. Yeah, you know? Yes. Yes. I've heard <laughs> someone say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yes. Yeah. So, and, the, and so that was my mentality. So I, I mean, I'm type A, I'm a Give me the job. Let me get it done. That's my personality. There's something to do. I'm going to go do it. If there's something that to be attained, I'm going to go attain it. That's my personality. And so there's nothing wrong with being a high achiever. 
But high achievers have to understand that to, in order to continue to give your best work, you have to be at your best. And so you can't be at your best if you're just grinding, 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 and you're not allowing any room for grace to enter the picture. And that's where I had really just kind of slid off the whole, <laughs> the whole paradigm of it. Mm. I had gotten to the point where I only knew how to grind and I had for completely laid aside how to go into rest and how, and how that affects us and how the grace of rest allows us to actually do more without expelling so much energy. And you just can't survive that way. You're, you can't. You, you can't survive. So my question for you, and I, I picture you on the floor crying and your kids watching TV because I think as moms, we've had moments like that. Like I can relate to that. Maybe not this specific burnout, but I can relate to just, I don't know if I could do another minute. Mm -hmm. I want to hear what happened after that. But I also want you to speak because there are women listening who are saying, this is my life right now. I am on the floor. Mm -hmm. I am crying and I don't know how I'm going to do tomorrow for whatever circumstance it might be. Burnout, exhaustion, nobody's helping, all the kids, work, housework, everything. If you would be sitting across from them and that, I want you to tell us what you did, mm -hmm. but I want you to tell them, encourage them right now where they are. Yeah, well, what, what ended up happening with me is when I got up off that floor, I really felt like God was telling me to go back to where rest first started, the whole conversation of rest. Because, I mean, God knows that I'm, I, I'm how I am. I, I'm, <laughs> he already knows I'm kind of that high achiever kind of mentality. I feel like that's who I am, who he created me to be. But what I had to understand was that the work and rest had to have a healthy ratio. And so he took me to Genesis, and, and I was reading through Genesis. And when I was reading through it, for the first time, I don't think I had ever really noticed where rest came into the picture. You know, because we have man created on the sixth day. And, you know, animals first, and then man was created. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And then the next chapter after that, it talks about man and, you know, working and working the fields and all of these things. And when I read through that, it, for the first time, it dawned on me, what was man doing on that seventh day? Okay, the, our first day wasn't even a full day. So our first full day was a day of rest. And then the work started. So man was told on the first day, you know, this is who you are. This is what your mandate is. This is what your role will be. But wasn't told to go do it in that moment. The very first way was rest. And so when I saw that we are not supposed to work to earn rest, we're supposed to work from our rest. That was a, that was a complete shift in my mindset because I'd always thought that, that I needed to work enough to earn the rest and I never felt like I earned it. And so I would never stop to do it. But when I started thinking that I need to rest to actually give my best work, then it was like automatic that I needed to see that I have to do it. Yeah. And then for, and not like many moms, then it's like, how in the world do I make that happen? I've got kids, I've got responsibilities, I've got jobs. And that's where the, the really the breakdown of the seven types of rest came for me. Because in looking at it, I was like, I can't do all the things. I feel depleted in every area of my life. I can't fix all you know, seven areas of my life that feel depleted. I need to fix the one right now that I feel like is killing me. And the one that was killing me was I felt alone. I felt like nobody got where I was at. And so I had to, and I'm an introvert, so I don't particularly go reaching out to people, you know, but I had to make some logical decisions about who do I feel most, really most energized around? Who do I feel like is life-giving to me? That I feel like when I'm in their presence, that I'm receiving something that I can't even truly comprehend. 
And how do I spend more time in that person's presence? And what I found was that's something called social rest. Because I'm sitting here going, it sounds like you're adding something else to your plate. But the thing is, I, know. I was adding something I needed. That's what I'm hearing. So, but I'm so, like, yes. And so what I did was, and it was very simple because for at the time, I didn't really know all the signs behind presence. You know, the energy of being around someone. I didn't really know the energy of eye to eye contact and how, how that's kind of become a lost art now in our world with all the texting and all the different electronics we have. But when I started, you know, looking at, at that concept that I know I feel better when I'm around this particular person and it was someone at my office. So it was someone I was seeing, but I wasn't purposely getting in their presence. I would send a text. I mean, I call them on the phone and they're literally next door. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, yeah. it was like I wasn't doing it. I was just taking kind of an easy way out. So although it, it meant I had to kind of like take five steps around just to ask whatever the question was or what I found myself doing was I would linger for a couple of minutes. Because I knew in the transaction of just talking about whatever it was, I was actually getting revived. This is interesting. And so it was small things like that. And then another thing that that I saw that I was really having a very hard time with sensory overload. There was noise in my atmosphere all day. So the hospital's noisy. The kids were noisy. There was, seemed like there was constant noise everywhere I went. And the body responds to that whether you know it is or isn't. So some of us, we get home from work and we're all anxious and we're snapping at everybody right and left. And we don't know why am I so wound up. For me, it was because I was basically becoming sensory overloaded before I ever got home with my kids and my husband. And then that's sensory overload in your house. Yes. And so there was never a pause. There was never any silence. And so one, just a simple thing I started doing was turning off the radio on the drive home to go get the kids and all of that. So instead of having something playing, you know, in the background the whole time, I would take that 10 minute drive to go get the kids from, cause I knew they were going to be loud. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that 10 minute drive to decompress so that I can then appreciate their noise. Because I mean, these are kids I prayed for. So it's, I, I want them laughing. I want them happy. But if I'm already sensory overloaded, their laugh sounds like a shriek and my nerves are fried. Mm. So I can't take another moment of it. Whereas when we allow ourselves to have that, those kind of white spaces in our life, you, you get a new appreciation for the things that really are beautiful. That's good. And I'm still stuck on the social uh, one because that's so interesting. And you got me over here racking my brain of who do I like to be around mm-hmm. because they energize me. And I'm thinking, you're good. This is good. I like this. And the thing is, it's not logical. You know, it's not, it's not your rational brain that's telling you, I should like to be around this person. You, you sense it when you're with them. You're like, I don't know what it is about you, but I just feel happy or peaceful or whatever it is. And different people give you different feelings that you get from being in their presence. You know, there's some people that you just feel, you, you talk to them and you're like motivated, ready to go take on the world. And then there's other people that you're around and you're like, I just feel so calm and peaceful. I just want to give her a hug. Yeah. And you don't understand yeah. that, but you need those people because when you're getting depleted in that area, then it's helpful to have someone that you can actually be around. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about social rest is it doesn't have to be in person. I have a lot of mom groups who need that social rest. They need to know they're not alone and their mom struggle. And so they do what they call virtual coffee dates. So the kids can be wherever, you know, in the background screaming and they pull up WhatsApp or Skype or Zoom, whatever, and they do a five minute coffee date where they can just kind of see someone else who's there with them, no makeup, ponytail, whatever someone wants to show up looking like. And they actually can can have that level of social rest with with some other people they feel like get them. That's good. So if I'm understanding right, you have a, a breakdown, you're on the floor mm-hmm. and God 
kind of moves, you just start investigating what does true rest look like? Yes. And you're thinking and you're learning, I need to work from my rest, which is so good. And then you start implementing new things in your life. Yeah. And what does life look like after that for you? Like, I'm imagining that you have to remind yourself of things because this is who you are. You are, you have this internal drive to go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And for you to now realize I have to take care of this or I will end up back on the floor crying. What are some things that you kind of check yourself on to make sure that you're still taking care of yourself? Well, for me, when I get that feeling that I'm fatigued and tired and if I'm, if I feel, if I'm tired and I know it's not because I'm not sleeping or if I can't sleep because I can't get my brain to shut up, you know, when I get to that place where I can't get my body to wind down, then I know that one of the seven types of rest I have to be deficient in. And so I'm constantly doing kind of a self check with the seven types, you know, is it, and I'll just name them just so that everyone knows, but is it physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, or creative? And so oftentimes what I'll think about is where am I pouring out? Because if I'm in the middle of a book project, then I'm pouring out a lot creatively. And so I need to make sure that I'm then allowing myself creative rest. That I'm, and what that basically means is I'm allowing myself to be in situations where I'm in, in awe and inspired, where I experience awe. And um, for a lot of people, it can be something like, some people say, I feel, I feel just more energized when I'm like at the beach mm-hmm. or around mountains or at the water. Some people get it from like artwork. They walk into a museum and all of a sudden their eyes are like, whoa, what's going on? Some people get it from music. And so if you know how you're inspired, then you can use that to actually help you be more creative, be more innovative, and to be able to brainstorm because you have to have that kind of awakened in you. And a lot of times when I go into corporations to talk and they'll say, well, we need our, you know, we need our staff to be, you know, really on the cutting edge. And I walk into this building that's like brown walls. I'm like, you cannot inspire anybody with this. Find some artwork. Let your team go pick out something that's inspirational to them to put in the office. Bring some color in. You have to allow yourself to have moments of creative rest. And we all can't go break off to the beach every time we need that. You I can wish create we could. that at your yes. home. <laughs> yes, I wish we could. Uh, I joke, I wrote a lot of my book at the beach in Mexico and I'm writing right now and I keep telling my husband, I got to get back to the beach. I got to get back. He's like, I think you can work fine here. <laughs> um, you know, this is interesting and I'd love to hear um, just, I know something that you're also passionate about having two sons who are 15 and 13, which I also have boys who are 15 and 13. And so I understand that. But I'd love for you to talk to me and our listeners about actually how the rest can affect our family. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this look like within a marriage and within a family unit? Um, and I would imagine this could even roll over into just whoever's living in the same house, whether that's roommates or, you know, mother and daughter, whatever it might look like. How does that, how does our lack of rest affect the people around us? Well, I think that's the whole issue with the culture right now. We have a culture of people who, who do not appreciate rest. They, you know, we even now have the World Health Organization saying that rest is actual disease now that they're that they're actually identifying with it. Wow. So, you know, we've gotten to this point now where uh, burnout is or I should say burnout is actually a disease that they're identifying with. So we've actually gotten to the situation where they're looking at the lack of rest as a reason why many people are having a lot of the current medical issues they're having. And so when I think about families and I think about particularly teens, a lot of times when I'm in my medical practice or particularly at the hospital, 
when I'm in the emergency room and I have a parent that's coming in because I've called them because their teen has committed suicide or attempted to, best case scenario, they've attempted to unsuccessfully. And they come in and they, when they're talking to the teen, they don't seem to understand that the amount of pressure that teens are under is so much more than what we were under at their age. Yeah. Um, we, we, as parents, we want to see them successful and we're not meaning to put pressure on them. But when I'm sitting down with the teen minus the parent, mm -hmm. it's like they don't get what it's like to always be expected to get an A. I did my best and my best was a C, but that's not good enough. And that's, that's hard as a mom because I'm that kind of parent too. I'm like, you can get an A, just try. Yeah. They can't always get an A. It's, it's not always in the cards. And so we have to understand that there ha we have to allow our teens to understand that there are times that they have to rest too. They can't be on track and football and soccer and play the piano and the guitar and this and, and still have time to do all the things they need to do and be revived and restored and regenerated. We have to teach them some, some level of, of life harmony. I never say work-life balance. I always say work-life harmony. And so they have to have school-life harmony. There can't be so much going on that they feel like they don't have a life anymore. It's so good. And I think it's hard when you are parenting a child that could do it all and wants to do it all. Mm -hmm. We have one of those. And we had to make a hard decision this past spring to say no to an activity. And he was devastated. He did not understand. And we just said, you can't have all of these plate things on your plates. And with that one particular child as well, he will do it all. and He wants to do it all. But then he's miserable. Mm -hmm. He's exhausted. He's a high achiever. He is a very high achiever, mm -hmm. but then he's exhausted. He's miserable to be around. Mm -hmm. He is um, tired yeah. and cranky. And we're like, who are you? <laughs> but there, he's just going so hard. And that's the thing. Uh, people who are very successful oftentimes do have that high achiever personality. That's what kind of drives the success. But they're, they're hard to be around because they're on the edge of burnout all the time. And so that's, what, that's, the, that's the culture I want to change. I want high achievers that are also can be nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> that right. are that are having fun with their life, yeah. that can smile and that can can break away from the work long enough to actually enjoy their life. I have no issues with people getting stuff done, but get it done and actually not just the busyness and the production of it, but actually be able to enjoy what you've produced. That's good, and I think the high achievers that I know um, would say they would push back and be like well, there's more to be, or I could do it better, or I could do more. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes they have to get to the mm -hmm. end. And that's sad. It is. I yes. mean, you know, but I see that in my area of life and other things of you got to get to the end, which you don't want people to get there, which is why you're trying to tell everybody mm -hmm. about this. Um, but it just happens. It does. A lot of people, by the time they come to me and actually really seek out the assistance and help, they already are feeling the side effects. Of it. Right. They're already feeling, they're already, people are already saying, you're not fun to be around anymore. <laughs> you know, they already have people, employees quitting because they can't deal with their attitude. Uh -huh. They're already seeing the evidence of it. And so then at that point, they're like, okay, I know something needs to change. Let me help me see where the, where the, de the deficiency is. Yeah. Where is it that I'm deficient in rest and need to really start reviving that? Do you have like a kind of system for finding that harmony between work and life? Or is it just everyone has to figure that out on their own? Or have you found something that you can tell us that works for you that might work for us? Well, for me, I really start looking at the how I prioritize things. Because there are certain seasons where one thing is going to be more of a priority. 
Like right now, it's my kids and my family. I mean, my kids are still at home. I got two more summers before one of them's off to college. You know, together. (laughs) Yes. So it's like that's a priority right now to kind of make sure that relationship is solid and make sure he knows that I'm there, even if he's gone. You know, and so there's a lot of priority um, shifts that I do just try to make sure that that's a big part of it. Um, The other thing for me is that I always like to see where am I going, where am I having fun at, because. I got in a point in my life where nothing was fun anymore. Mm. And there should always be fun. There should always be something you're doing that, that you just love. And it may not be your job. You know, your job may not necessarily always be that thing you love, but you should al- always have time that you're doing stuff you love. That's a, that's a hard one for people because it feels they don't have time. Mm-hmm. But you're saying you have to make time. Yeah. What is life if you're not enjoying something? Now, I'm not saying you're doing it every single day. It may be something you just do once a week or a couple of times a month. Uh But what's, I mean, that's when we get to that point where we're like, really, what's the purpose? Yeah. Because we lose the fun in it. That's good. What's your Enneagram number? Do you know? Three. Okay. I mean, we all would have guessed that, (laughs) but we don't want to put anything on anyone. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I have a question that it wouldn't be the happy hour unless we talked about sex. And so I know that (laughs) you said the importance of sex in marriage as a form of rest. Yes. And talk to us about this. That has been one of the the biggest um, surprises I think that I found with the book. Well, I think it was maybe a week after it came out. I had a um, couple that had sent me an email. The husband actually sent the email. He was like, "My wife just you know read the book, and we started doing the rest. We started doing the sacred rest challenge. I have a thirty day challenge." And one of the very first challenges is actually sitting and just being face to face with your spouse, looking eye to eye for five minutes. And he's like, I've never had so much sex in my life after doing that for one week. He's like, it's like we've fallen in love all over again. And I just started, from sitting and looking at each other in the eye eyes for eye. five minutes. Because what he state, what he stated to me, I'd never really thought about. He was like, my, we had, we had not looked eye to eye since we were dating. He's like, we live in the same house. I'm in my computer. She's on hers or we're watching TV. The only time we're face to face is when we were actually fighting or discussing hard stuff. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. And he's, and that was the only time we were face to face. He goes, what you forced us to do were actually to to get face to face again in a comfortable, intimate setting, not just in the middle of struggle. And he's like, and that started bringing us back together. And I thought, you know, the whole issue with marriage is that people start feeling disconnected. They start feeling like that person's just a roommate. You know, I don't really know them anymore. And so that, that, that presence, that eye-to-eye contact is so key to relationships. And then it leads to intimacy. It leads to more sex. It leads to more just cuddling even because you feel that connection again. And then you feel restful mm-hmm. because you're not just, you're actually do you're actually getting back to how marriage connects two people together. Absolutely. And then I had another situation where um, one gentleman was telling me, he was like, my wife doesn't enjoy sex. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me what you're talking about. What, you know, what, what exactly is the issue? He's like, I don't know. I come home from work and she's like, she doesn't want me to touch her at all. I was like, she doesn't want to hug. She doesn't want me to touch her at all. And when I, what I found out was she was a stay-at-home mom with a bunch of little ones. Who were touching her all, all day, day long. long. Yes. And I'm like, she's sensory overloaded. She can't, you can't touch her. You're just a big pair of hands. <laughs> yes. And she's a lot of little hands all day. I was like, why don't you figure out a way to take away the bedtime routine from her and you do the bedtime routine and allow her to have a time to sensory depress 
And that led to them having a more fruitful relationship and more uh, intimacy because then it became daddy time from eight o'clock to eight thirty to put the kids to bed. And she could just go take a bath, take a shower, not be sit in the toilet, whatever, just not be bothered Anything. and touched and have some time just to kind of get back and claim her own body again. Yeah. That's a very real thing. The whole sensory overload. And I don't think I've ever thought about it for myself with parenting. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking back on those younger days and remembering that it is a lot. And you just, that's why sometimes the dad comes home and you're like, I mean, I remember Aaron coming home and me saying, you just have to take them for a few minutes. Like mm-hmm. I just need a few minutes to be alone. Um, and so that's good. That's really, really good. And I love the daddy bedtime thing because I think uh, a lot of times, um, if this is particularly if there's a stay at home parent uh, and I don't want to be sexist, one yeah, or the other, whoever, one, yeah. whichever way it goes, but the parent who is outside of the home that for them to do the bedtime, because first of all, the kids need that. Yeah. They need to know that that parent is actively involved, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, not just not just outside working, but actively involved in the home. And plus it allows the other parent to have a chance to really just decompress. You know, this is interesting because Aaron and I talk sometimes about how different uh, culture is now, whereas I'm 41. So back when we were growing up, mm-hmm. what we would see was most of the time it was the dad who worked outside of the home um, and the mom who stayed home with the children, if that was how the setup was. Mm-hmm. We see it both now, which yeah. is great. You know, whoever mm-hmm. is wants to do that. But what we would, what we comment on is that you would see dad comes home from work, goes and sits down in the recliner, <laughs> reads the newspaper, watches TV while the mom is still doing everything. Yeah. Dad comes and sits at the table for dinner. Dinner's over. Dad goes and sits back on the couch <laughs> and mom does everything. And then dad wants to have sex at night. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so it's no wonder that that generation, sex wasn't joyful. It was a duty. You know, it, there wasn't any passion. <laughs> it, was it was just this like, is just what I'm this, supposed to this do. That's how we make kids. So. <laughs> I make dinner, I clean the house, and I let my husband have sex with exactly. me. Exactly. Which is not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. And it and it and it really had that that whole generation of women who who had no pleasure from sex. It was just this thing they did to to procreate. And so now we have a new generation of women who are all empowered. They understand that sex should be a good thing. It should be enjoyable. And unfortunately for many of them, they don't want, they know, they don't understand why they don't want it. Although they, they know they should want it. And at times maybe they do, but they can't understand why they don't want it more. And so that's the thing. Burnout, you know, takes many forms. And so a lot of times we're only thinking about the extreme, but you can be burned out sensory wise and shut down in a sensory standpoint where it's hard to enjoy sex because you already are sensory overloaded. That's good because your other areas of your life may not look like that. And so you may go, well, this doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. But then you have this area that is completely overloaded mm-hmm. and you just can't. Okay, that's really good. Well, this is a great conversation. And I think rest is um, hard for everybody, but I think specifically for women because we feel as though we have to carry all the weight on all of our shoulders. And so your just wisdom on this has been such a great reminder. Um, tell us if someone like is thinking, I need more. What is the one book of yours they should go get? The last one? It would be the last yeah. one. Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And honestly, I would have them do the rest quiz. It's a free assessment at restquiz.com. It lets them see which of the seven types of rest they're most efficient in. And I know for me personally, that was the key. I, I couldn't just attack all seven. I mean, that was like overloading just thinking about that. But I could attack one at a time. And see how do I how do I restore myself in this one area? That's good. And then what's the next one? And then yeah. how do you get back? Okay, I'm going to take the rest quiz <laughs> today. I'll let everyone know where I need which 
numerous ones I need to help in. Uh, okay, thank you. It's just just so enlightening. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. We dwell on a lot in our lives. We dwell on some problems. We dwell on the past. We often wake up first thing in the morning and our minds are already dwelling on it. Whatever it could be of our crazy schedules, worrying about our health, tough periods of parenting, sadness over loss, the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes it seems impossible to do anything but dwell on it. That is why Dwell was created, because we can dwell differently. Dwell is a Bible memorization tool. You can easily memorize one Bible verse for every month. One of my favorite ones that we have memorized so far is Romans 12, 12, which says, be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And in fact, I keep the tag that they send me on my key ring and so I can look through them. And just today, I pulled that up and said that verse out loud. Dwell offers memberships that starting at $9.95 per month. Some of the memorization tools that you get include temporary tattoos, vinyl stickers, art prints. You guys, this is a great, great, great thing for families to have, for teenagers to have, to help with little kids. Go to dwelldifferently.com. Use code Jamie15 for 15% discount on a prepaid membership. That's dwelldifferently.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay. I always end the interview by asking people what they're loving and what they're reading. And so where would you like to start? What I'm loving. There's so many things I'm loving right now after this past uh, couple of hours here at, at She Speaks. Honestly, I'm loving just the atmosphere of being around like-minded women. I think that that has just been overwhelming just this past couple of hours. And what I'm reading right now is Crushed, um, a new book by T.D. Jakes. I just like that whole concept of, you know, God takes us sometimes through um, kind of these gracefully broken moments in our life where we're, we're trying to figure out how to put the pieces back together, but it's all done in a way that is producing something greater. I do know two things about you that I want to ask you about. Number one is I know you love your air fryer. Yes. Do I need one of these? <laughs> you need an air fryer. Now, the air fryer for me has been revolutionary <laughs> to my kitchen life because I'm not a chef. I don't like cooking. And so my husband likes to do a lot of the cooking. But there's one thing my family loves, and it's sweet potato fries. And I'm like, you know how long it takes to cook that in the oven? It's like an eternity. Well, the air fryer does it in 15 minutes Flat. You just cut up real sweet, like sweet potatoes, yes. throw them and in it there. crisp them to, I mean, it's a beautiful contraption. I, <laughs> when they just had the Prime Day sale on Amazon, I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it, but I have a tendency to buy things like that and never <laughs> use them. I mean, don't even get my husband started on the old bread maker that I had for oh, years. No. <laughs> and he, every time we did like a clean, he's like, I'm throwing it away. I'm like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. I'm never going to use it. But I think I might use an air fryer. So I'm like still thinking about it. You're encouraging me, especially with that sweet potato fry thing. Yes, and my son loves hot wings. Oh, my And I'm not even sure too. how to make hot wings, except when I got the air fryer. They said, just, you know, put them in the fryer and let them go without oil. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like I as healthy as you can do it. Yeah. So, so it's been fantastic. Okay, well, I might have to get me one. Okay, I know that you are about to celebrate your 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, by Thank the way. You. 
it's a big deal. And you're doing something really special for it. Yeah. Uh, also really hard for it. So mm-hmm. tell us what you're doing for your 20th anniversary. Well, my husband's an ultra marathon runner. So he loves running. That's his thing. I mean, he, he's run up to a hundred miles in, you know, one this day. Is, uh, this, I'm, I, I'm no offense to your husband. That just sounds plain <laughs> stupid. I it's mean, crazy. It's it is crazy. crazy. That's what I tell him. I was like, that's crazy. He's like, oh no, it's just, you have to train your body. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, <laughs> You're like, but, I'll be over here resting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he told when we got married, we went to um, Hawaii for our honeymoon. And we always said we'd go back for our 20th. And so, um, when we were getting everything together, I told him a long time ago, I've already done half marathons. I said, you know, I'd be willing to do a whole if you found one that I could walk. Because it takes a long time to yeah, walk a marathon. Uh-huh. I mean, you're going to need to have at least six, seven hours. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? They have a 10-hour limit walking a marathon that you can walk or run in Hawaii. And I said, no way. He's like, and so we looked it up and I agreed. So we're going to, in June... Next year, 2020, we're going to go and we're going to walk our first marathon together as a way of commensurating our 20th anniversary. Is he going to walk with you? He is. That's a real man because you know he can run that really fast. He can fast. be done so quick. He can but be he's done gonna... before he even got to mile two. I mean, exactly. like, he's just exactly. moving. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says, no, because I'm gonna, we're going to do this together. I love <laughs> it so much. So we've already started our training. We go on our hikes and walks together. It's awesome. I, I love, I just love trying new stuff. That is so fun. I think I could do a marathon like that if I could, especially in Hawaii. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I have to walk through Hawaii. Okay, fine. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It oh, has really you. been um, encouraging to me. And I um, I really love the way that, that God created you uh, with this brain to go into medicine and then how he allowed you to see how our whole body is affected. Uh, not just by what we put in it, but by the people that we're around and the way we push ourselves and our soul and how you are using all that God's given you to help your patients live their life to the fullest. And you've done that for us today too. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Friends, I needed this conversation in my life about rest. I think I needed it when I recorded it and I need it again today. I've thought a lot about what Sandra said when she said we aren't supposed to work to earn rest. We're supposed to work from our rest. I want to be certain that anything I'm creating and giving out to others is coming from that place of rest and not from the hamster wheel of of workaholism or constantly moving or constantly going. Dr. Dalton Smith is an international media resource on the mind-body-spirit connection, and she's been featured in many media outlets. Her newest book release is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. You can find links for this book and other ways to connect with Sandra in the show notes. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is my friend, Rebecca Lyons. She was a guest way back in the day on episode number 129 and a lot has changed in her life since the last time we met for a happy hour. I look forward to sharing our conversation with you guys. It's a great follow-up to today's topic on rest as we talk about living in the grace for today and rhythms of renewal. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Tag me on Instagram. I'd love to see it. We have new merch in the shop, so go check out our new merch and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with my friend, Rebecca. Rebecca.